Talk Radio with the best host in the biz. Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7 the world's best radio In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thought, Love, and Reflection, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. As always, I'm pleased to be here with you, uh, given this opportunity to talk about the things that impact our lives now and in the future, and today is no different. Today I want to talk to you about the casualties of misbehavior by our young men and how it seems that they seem to be unable to recognize the pain that they cause by participating in a lifestyle that lends itself to them losing their freedom for long periods of time. And parents of the victim and of the perpetrator having to live with the behavior or actions of young men who have not even really experienced life. And so uh, I want to just discuss some of the things that having to be able to, to find yourself in a situation where you're being judged by a man who has been given the power to take your 
existence away from you for a long period of time and how your parents have to deal frustrations of giving you or extending you love and kindness behind bars. I am uh, 57 years of age, and I have only experienced going before a judge one time, and that experience had to do with me challenging being, uh, and it was difficult to recognize or understand that I was putting my career and my lifestyle in the hand of this one individual. And depending on how he determined the case, my life would be forever changed. Now, I wasn't going to go to jail. I wasn't going to have my freedom taken away from me. I was just going to have a sizable amount of money reduced because I would have to change the way I live. So to see countless young men under the age of 20 being subjected to having their lives before they even lived their lives is a major undertaking. And then have their family members have to live that sentence along with them and have their lives changed because of the needs and desire of that person who made that choice. So tonight we just want to talk about what obligation parents have to their children and what role should society play in determining the kind of sentence young people should receive when they do some of the horrific things that they do. And despite their age, Should it pay any part in the does a adult crime and takes the life of another? Should his underage, under adulthood age, play a part in the sentencing that he receives, especially if he is a type of criminal that has been paving the way for his present sentence by other activities, showing that he is is unable to change the direction of his behavior. We all realize that youth seemingly doesn't, don't understand and appreciate their freedom. They seem to be unable to respect and appreciate the life they had ahead of them, and they risk their freedom by participating in a lot of different criminal activities. So, D, I'm going to go to you. You know, we're in this 
time and space where millions of people are being incarcerated in America and young people are being sent to adult prison at younger and younger ages. And so we have to ask ourselves, what side do we have when we find ourselves unable to help young people change the direction of their lives? And what kind of obligation do parents have to spending thousands of dollars yearly to make their lives better in incarceration? You mentioned that we're, sorry, we're living in a time. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, good evening, everybody. Okay. I'm great. Uh, we're living in a time. Um, we're living in uh, a situation like this is uh, is evident, is evident of neglect, um, not only by, not only directly uh, upon uh, the child, because that's what he is, uh, neglect not only uh, directly upon him, but neglect by us as a society. Um, we live in a society and in a world, probably, I'm not really sure, but we live in a society here in, in this nation that uh, each is own. Um, there is a actual divide, and, it, and it, it's kind of blatant, and, and the divide is that... Um, one side of the of the spectrum believes that it takes a village to raise uh, our our family or our, or each other. Uh, I am my brother's keeper. Uh, and then there's another side of the spectrum that believes that each is own. Um, that uh, what what I get on my own is what I deserve, and you have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. Well, um, along that, along those lines, um, there will be individuals that will fall through the cracks. Um, the uh, the the acceptance of of a substandard of living, the acceptance of substandard of living, uh, is plays a big part in that. Uh, when families are disenchanted with life itself, and uh, and they have no direction, and when the persons or people or institutions that are put in place that's what they're supposed to find, uh, that's supposed to provide said direction, uh, they fail to do so. And uh, when you know uh, one of which uh, these, these institutions, I'm gonna call them by name, but they're supposed to uh, strengthen the bond of marriage and family. And when they fail to do so, uh, a lot of times the kids of, of, of failed marriages, of broken homes, fall through the cracks. Uh, drugs and alcohol uh, becomes part of their life. Uh, gang activity. Uh, the selling of drugs and gang relationships is the only family that these kids come to know. Um, but the uh, the sad part about it is that uh, these kids have no 
uh, expectations of longevity in life. Uh, and it comes to a point sometimes that uh, they, bo- they, uh, they level out. And around the age of 25, um, they figure that this is as good as it gets. Uh, if they live to be 30, uh, they pretty much consider to be an OG, an older, older person in that, uh, in that society. So, uh, you know, so when it comes down to the, the penalization of, of such an act, I, I'm really not the, question, the person to ask that question. Um, I, I do know that um, the system is broken. Society is broken. Society as a whole is broken. Um, this is the era of exposure, the, the year of exposure. And uh, everything is actually coming to the light. And um, But I think uh, going forward, if I can be uh, optimistic in that way, uh, there's a lot to be learned and where we are. And the best way to learn where we are is to learn and to observe what got us here in the first place. And so, um, and I think I'm just going to leave that as an open uh, statement. And thank you, James, for the opportunity. Yeah, we are constantly stating that young people are our future, and they are the treasure of our existence. But yet we seem unable to put enough money in the educational system or create uh, independent outside organizations to help young people uh, to get to a productive time. Uh, they're seeing, you know, and when we talk about these numbers, we're talking about um, 15 to 20 percent. But why are we so unable to effectively create something that can reduce that number? We're always talking about reduce criminal activity, especially violent criminal activity by youth. Why can't we focus on saving some of these young people who are being put in jail for 30 years to life? Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? Um, You know, we have a lot of factors, um, and Dee mentioned quite a few of those as far as... um, And when it comes straight from the household, you know, we have broken homes. We have mothers who have not finished um, living their life, so they say, and don't focus a lot of the attention, you know, on raising the children. And this is a a single-family home where there's two parents, um, you know, you have or you want to think you have a little bit more stability for the child. Um, But we have a lot of people out here at the adult age that has not matured themselves that are bringing in human beings into the world where they cannot help them to develop properly. So when they are not given 
you know, even the opportunity within the household, it becomes a struggle without, you know, outside the household. Then you have where so many programs have been cut back for our children to help better themselves or help in problem areas. You know, if we can't get the funding for education, how are we going to expect to get the funding for um, problem areas, counseling, um, you know, life skills, those type of things to um, or just a place to go where the kids can go a safe place. And when there's no more safe place, we find them on the street. We find them wanting to be approved by their peers. We find them, that's when they get in trouble, you know. Um, and I do believe, you know, no matter, although a lot of parents today do not want you to tell their children anything, um, and we're missing the main thing, the churches are not step, stepping up as far as offering you know, because a lot of the things they where the kids and even adults, families can go get counseling. Those things are not even offered in the church um, where the rec area is open to the kids to play. And uh, so we're missing a lot. And when these kids fall by the wayside, that's where we... Um, that's where we find crime. That's when we find at young ages. Um, they're so exposed television and things that are not reality, but they're trying to do it. And it seems so easy on TV to get away with it, but it's not when they try those things. So there's many factors that lead up to the point that we have, or why we have so many criminals and at a very young age out here. And it seems like being a part of the richest nation, one of the richest nations in the world, and we are still having uh, the one of the largest prison populations that we are not exploring how to reduce that population, as well as how to keep people from getting involved in criminal activity at all. So, D, why is it that we are willing to, to expand jails and make them bigger, uh, employ more people to keep them safely away from society, but we seem have a resistance uh, to creating programs to keep them from becoming criminals in the first place. Well, James, uh, actually, that makes no sense. Um, it's, um, if that's the plan, then it's not well thought out. Um, let me um, introduce you all to a movie that kind of hit along those lines. Made back in the late 70s uh, The name of the movie was uh, Escape from New York And the premise of the movie Was that um, That the prison systems And the jail 
and the jails had got so overwhelmed with with criminal activities and criminals that there were there were there weren't any institutions to hold them uh, in place because uh, the morality of people was just out of hand. Uh, so they made the state of New York the prison. Now, uh, you know, a lot of times these movies uh, they have they have some uh, some some something to be noted when they make these movies, and you know, a lot a lot of times uh, um, movies that they were made in the seventies uh, and eighties have already come to pass as as reality. But the point of the matter is that um, people. Uh, are not paying attention attention well enough. Uh, you can't put a band aid on a on a severe problem. Um, like Michelle was speaking of, um, uh, programs that used to help are no no longer initiated. Uh, institutions like the church are no longer interested in trying to find a new way. And I've been preaching this, babbling this for over a, a, a year on your show, that they're not trying to find a new way to reach uh, young people. I went to church uh, a week ago, and uh, uh, the minister was preaching, and there was a, a young guy in front of me and his, and his uh, older parents. Uh, the guy was uh, 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 a young adult. And the message uh, that was being preached, he just wasn't getting it. He could not, he it didn't hold his attention. In fact, he was allowed to uh, observe his uh, uh, cell phone and he was watching the Olympics, the, the playbacks of the Olympics, uh, right there in church in front of me. And so, uh, and so my point is that uh, kids have a, have a microwave kind of brain in this day and time. Uh, you get, really got to grab their attention. And it has to be really uh, profound. Whatever you say to them, it really has to be profound. It really has to jar them to to uh, stimulate their interest. And I think that's a key word. Uh, you know, when uh, 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 people of importance, like teachers and and a lot of these uh, uh, psychiatrists that go to schools now, and they uh, and they offer tests to be done on, on the school students. They understand the importance now of uh, trying to stimulate the brain, of young people's brain, to uh, something that's interesting to them. And so even in our conversation, when we try to steer them in a new direction, again, steer them in a new direction, we have to do so, and Michelle, you're good at it. Uh, We have to say things to them that's going to stimulate their thought. And that's, that's the only playing field that we have. Because we know if we talk at them, if we talk at them, they're going to shut down. So we, as adults, as uh, mature adults, have to pay the cards that we have obtained in our lifetime. And that's, a, and that's the, uh, the hand of uh, adult psychology when it comes down to dealing with kids. Now, hopefully, we can save the next generation going forward. Thank you. Cheryl, I like to ask you, you know, when you have a captive audience and you can dictate and mandate that they do certain things, 
Why have we not created teens of any age who've committed murder and have given given long sentences? Why haven't we created something uh, that can make a difference in their lives during that period of of captivity? Why haven't we decided that it is much more important to help them make some adjustments during that 10 or 20 or 30 year period than to just let them lavish uh, in jail in a way that creates no difference in their expectations? That's a good question. That's a very good question because why? I mean, we really need those things. And you know, the reality of it is, is that I know an individual who has hooked up with somebody in prison. He's been in prison since he was 16 years old. Um, he's a twin. Um, they were doing things on Craigslist, um, meeting people and robbing them. And they finally got caught. So I think they got like 10 to 12 years in prison. Now, this individual has more money in prison phones that he has. It's all updated cell phones. If it's taken from him, he get one instantly. We on the outside struggling if we lose one to replace it. So not only is the criminal behavior done to get them in there, they're still practicing the criminal behavior in there. And I mean, where they can actually communicate on cell phones while in prison. So it's the lack of um, of things that are integrated into the system to help rehabilitate them instead of just housing them because that's what they're being done is just housed. And the prison is raising them. And with that criminal behavior, they taking it right there into prison. I mean, I was so shocked to find, um, you know, the pictures, the activities, the phones. I mean, this really shocked me. So we're not um, re- being re- rehabilitated while in prison. Now, I'm going to say that for the prison that he's in. And that, I believe, is in the state of Tennessee. I can't tell you about, you know, if it's done in any other prison or how or what do they have in place. But it would be very beneficial, especially a person who is is going to be only in there for a short time, to really get the skills, take classes, understand what actually the crime that they did, and help them to work through it. That would be excellent. But now how that would all take place and go, where the fun comes, um, who would do it, you know, all of these things, not enough 
of those programs out there, if they're in. So if they're not being rehabilitated in the prison, when we we can get criminals that went in prison, housed for a while, and came out to be the same criminals. So that's what we're getting. And no, I don't know um, what actually we could do, but I do believe that something really needs done while they are in there so that they have an opportunity and a chance to come out and to be a better human being. And if not, we're going to still have the crime. We're going to still have murders. We're going to still have people saying, well, why are they even out here? So, yeah, thank you. Dee, let me ask place. you. <laughs> let me ask you why um, I spent the last 10 years of my career at um, uh, at the jail helping inmates get their GED. And for some reason... Uh, there was a inmate who was able to um, go to court and suggest that he was only required to do his time, uh, that he should not be made to get up in the morning and go to school uh, to better himself. And so I want to ask you, why is it that we could not govern why do we want to give prisoners the right uh, to sleep in uh, their beds all day and not to make any progress and they're making their lives different on the outside? If they commit a crime or a uh, display of behavior on the inside, they're put in solitary. So if they wake up in the morning and they want to go to solitary every day instead of going to class or going to something meaningful, uh, then fine, but why can't we uh, impose our will on them, and that somehow or another they are able to, to, to tell us, well, you know, what they're going to do and what they're not going to do? Well, uh, that's a, a fundamental problem. Uh, when it comes down to um, the system being broken, all right. Uh, now. Um, you know when when you got these um, major penitentiaries and and prison systems, San Quentin and countless others, I don't even know them. Um, uh, they're just they're just there to be housed. Uh, there is no structure. They're there to be housed and hoping that they don't kill one one another. Uh, but I think the answer to your question is that. Um, uh, the, the prison system uh, isn't tough enough on the individual to make them want to do better for themselves. Uh, when you got some 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 institutions uh, that have uh, a widescreen TV and probably uh, uh, a pool table, and they might have card nights and things like that, then as opposed to uh, hard labor. I, I don't know what happened. That maybe that that was uh, constituted as being uh, inhumane. Maybe I don't know, uh, but I do know in in other countries, uh, if you do, like that guy that, that stole something in uh, North Korea, I guess it was, uh, they had him in uh, in a hard labor camp, 
and that the hard labor is the alternative uh, that one will be given if you don't try to better yourself. You can always stay here and bust these rocks. And uh, you know, they should have a, a rock quarry in that way because uh, there is no deterrent, actually. Uh, we all know of the idea that going to jail on a regular gets you street credit in the hood, uh, makes, makes you hood rich in, in certain ways. Uh, so uh, there's no incentive to uh, uh, entice uh, people going in in these uh, institutions to want to come out and do better. you got to make it hard for them. They're not making it, and they're not doing it. So, uh, you know, uh, something has to be now. Now, if 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 uh, if for instance, if Donald Trump was to uh, make that proposal, uh, and he says that uh, you know we have been observing for the past uh, seventy years or fifty years that uh, the the prison system has been nothing more than a revolving door. And uh, I feel that this administration needs to uh, uh, incorporate and bring back the idea of hard labor. I think that some people will go through the roof. So um, it's either damn if you do and damn if you don't. And um, so, but um, like Michelle said, uh, something has to be uh, incorporated uh, or initiated. But if it does, then it can't be soft because the soft is what's keeping them going in and out. I mean, some people, they, they'll go in during the wintertime, you know, they, especially if they live on the street. Uh, they're going in on the wintertime, and when springtime come around again, they're ready to get started again. So I don't know. Thank you, John. I truly believe that if we're going to have a system where we're housing over a million people, we need to be creating some kind of activities that help that help to main help to create uh, a better individual than the one that went in. That somehow these people need to be um, dealt with mentally, physically, psychologically, and academically, so that they can somehow have an opportunity to live in our society in a meaningful fashion, to feed them and clothe them and not be willing to to um, invest in their long, longevity in our society seems crazy to me. You have to recognize that the majority of people who go to jail are at some point going to be coming out, and that we should not be um, we should not be uh, submitting ourselves to dealing with a worse criminal or a worse sick person that we need to seek to make. Their, their understanding about what civilization is more meaningful, Cheryl, so as to make our lives safer. But we should not be subjected to the same person that went in when they spent 10 and 15 years in jail. 
You're right. I mean, we should because, you know, that's what got them locked up in the first place. So we would definitely not want the same person with no changes at all to be released. I mean, that that brings again to, you know, the question, what do we do? Um, there would have to be some kind of um, something passed, some type of bill passed, something, you know, requirements. Um, and I'm pretty sure something like, you know, saying that these are the requirements, you know, just like our children. Our children can't live in our house and think they're going to lay around all day. We have certain requirements. I mean, you got to get up and go to school. When you get to a certain age, if you want to continue living in the house, there's requirements. So, I mean, it should be the same thing in prison. You know, there should be requirements. Whereas if you need anger management, then there's anger management courses. If you need um, counseling to get to the root of where this criminal um, activities stem from, whatever it is, you know, there should be requirements put in place. But I guess, you know, I don't know the first thing to say about how we get them in place because um, I just don't. But, I mean, I'm sure we're back and be willing to back anyone who um, took this upon themselves and got a, a, a whatever, you know, some type of bill passed. I mean, I would definitely be, for all, you know, for that. But how to get that going, I have no idea. I'm, that's just totally out of my, my league. But, you know, we we would hope that Squire's, in order to be released. And it should be requirements to be released. You know, um, uh, a mental evaluation, all of those things, to see if you mentally capable of coming back into society. And, I mean, I realize that they can fake it, but fake it, I mean, you know, but still make that a requirement that there are so many things that you have to um, pass in order just to be released? Uh, it, it just seems uh, crazy. Uh, I was watching some of these documentaries, and when they show people spending 23 hours in lockup, and maybe one hour they let them go, and they say, you know, in jail, well, we're required to give them one hour of recreation, we're required to give them an opportunity to bathe, Um, but yet we don't suggest or think they should be required to do whatever it takes uh, to recognize or show that they are good citizens other than just not being violent. I mean, I believe every person if you're going to allow people early release, they should have gone through some kind of program that gave them a leg up once they got outside. Uh, because just not being violent shouldn't be a reason 
for allowing you early release, you should have gone through something that would sort of suggested that you may have altered your sense of what reality was and your duty to society. Well, James, you know, uh, strangely enough, I think you just answered your own question with a great solution. True, and here's true. my and here's my idea to, to that solution. You know, uh, when uh, when a person goes into drug rehabilitation, or when a person goes to the uh, to a psychiatrist, uh, or a person go to a psychologist, uh, these people that uh, that that are in charge of these uh, these services are are reformed victims of of said uh, uh, mishaps themselves. Uh, in other words, uh, the the counselors at the uh, at the uh, drug institutions they're former drug addicts, right? Uh, the psychologist is a person that had psych- had psychological issues, and they uh, found uh, a, a way to uh, to uh, recover from that, and they sought to be educated in that field. Now, my point is that you know. Uh, these uh, criminals, or sometimes minor minor infractions, or even if a person did five years, all right, it should uh, be uh, noted that you know if if you show signs of rehabilitation, uh, we would like for you to go back out in the world and go to some of these high schools and tell students your story, and we'll pay you. We'll pay you uh, a modest salary. That's an incentive, you know. That's and that's an incentive and a purpose. Now, go out and uh, be proactive, and and you know because you know when you, you figure a lot about how when you were a, a teacher, and and you found it necessary to want to have your students succeed, but that was your purpose. Uh, so I think the idea should be to give uh, the person that's, that's, going, that's due to be released, give them the idea that if you show signs of rehabilitation, we think that you will be a great candidate to go out and, and, and be a part of the uh, uh, intervention process. And that's what we need. We need intervention. You know, we need to catch these kids early. Because when you try to um, reform a career uh, perpetrator, um, he's already grandfathered into the system. And, you know, when you got felony one, felony two, um, you're somewhat uh, unemployable. And uh, so we need to catch kids early, um, you know. So And, and so the old cat, um for the lack of a better term, it may not be much help for him unless we're going to pay him to go out and tell his story. And it's a scary straight thing in reverse. So um, I think that uh, certain um, gov- government, uh, city government uh, services need to uh, 
think about something like that and try to uh, incorporate that into their way of doing things. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll come right back. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that we can make sure that your voice is heard loud and clear and without interruption. It is important that we 
deal with the issues that impact our lives now and in the future. And today we're discussing the loss of talent, the loss of humanity that happens when we incarcerate people for long periods of time. And with colleges able to indoctrinate and to help people find their way in order to become decent citizens after four and five and six years, why can't we find a program designed to help inmates recognize the errors of their ways and find them a direction outside allowing to bash in the evilness of their existence with others and come out worse than when they came in? Why can't we impose our will on them? Other, we're imposing our will on them in terms of their incarceration. We're determining how many hours they have to be locked up in their cells. Why can't we do something that puts them in a better place when they come out? Carol, we have to recognize when something is not working, it needs to be fixed. And our elected officials need to understand when they're always constantly talking about uh, how we're losing productivity, there is not any more loss of productivity than putting a person in a cage for 23 hours and only letting them out for one hour a day. Whoa, I could not even begin to imagine. But um, you're right, you're right. Um, when you say that there needs to be type program put in place and something to be fixed and required for them, you know, why they're there. Um, I don't understand what 23 hours of solitaire is going to benefit where they can be accomplishing something to be in that holding. I mean, given something to do, a requirement, you know, chapters to read, questions to answer, something, you know, begin to start to um, to find out, you know, what makes them tick. Why are they working off? Um, and if not, you know, that's the reason why our jails are getting bigger. Who thought? in the home, you know, and we have so many um, children that are falling by the wayside because of situations, circumstances with the parents. You know, we have all different kinds of situations. We have um, drug um, drug users as parents. We have parents who have not, um, who are single parents that always have to work. We have Absent fathers, we have absent mothers, we have, you know, which bring, um, brings up angry children. We have children that are there to fend for their, themselves. And one thing um, spirals into another. So, um, yeah, it would be wonderful if we can have something in place to get to the root of the problem, to help the individual, rehabilitate them so when they come out, that they can see the world in a whole different um, light. 
and D, you know, we you know, we we have jobs where people are constantly doing things to create better employees. And so if if corporations recognize that they should invest in creating better employees, why as a society we don't think we should invest in creating better better citizens? Well, uh, something you sure said just now uh, brings to mind, uh, and I, I think it's going to hopefully we'll answer the question, James. Um, can you imagine uh, what the next president of the United States is going to have to be like to uh, to galvanize a person's interest all across the board from all, from all spectrums of life in this country to get them to uh, want to do something so much better in their life. It's almost like country and probably this world is going to have to be uh, threatened by uh, intergalactic invasion to get their attention in that kind of way. And I'm, I'm sure you all have seen the movies how when they, when, they, when they felt that the world was about to come to an end, that was the only thing that, that, that everybody came together and tried to do something in a, in a humane way to make this world a better place. The next presidential candidate that, uh, that, that steps onto the stage has to be that kind of person. Has to be. Because if we don't... Um, Start to um, to liken ourselves and, and other persons and other people's endeavors, uh, and we, and we stay along these separate issues where it's us against them and them against us, and y'all don't care nothing about what we have, and we don't care anything about what you all have to go through. We're gonna be in this rut forever, and and that's the same uh, that in the way of this conversation. Um, don't nobody seems to care enough to try to correct this uh, this problem. Uh and 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 this is one way that I'm I'm speaking of. You know, uh money is there's money to be made in the prison system. I don't I don't know how that structure works, but uh I'm sure that uh, the state uh has a way to make money off the occupants in the in the prison system. Um so there there is no real want or reason for them to try to fix the system because it's revenue for them. Um, so, uh, you know, us on the outside, we, we see a need for something to be changed. But just like these bylaws, when there's super money and revenue to be made off the player, just like in college football. Now, I hate college football because they got they let them guys bust themselves up for nothing. But why ain't let them get paid for off their signature? But the school makes all the money. I think that's an asinine idea. And and the same applies when it comes down to these uh, to the to the prison system. Um uh, just make more make more prisons. And, and and when they when they can't find enough uh, uh acres of land to to spread them out, they're gonna build them straight up in the air. 
like they do in China, like they house people in China, straight up. And so um, uh, that, that's what's due to happen and because you know, they, they just don't care now. And I hope that answers the question in some kind of way, James. Thank you. Yeah, it is amazing to me that we find ourselves going in the direction of of profit prison. Uh, you know, there's no reason in the world why a prison ought to be made or created for profit. Because when you do that, that means that you have to reduce this is these expenditures to a point create a margin that is above what is needed to run the prison such that it goes into somebody else's pocket. And that lets you know that those kinds of organizations are not interested in the the future welfare of the the prisoner. They're interested in keeping their prisons filled, not reducing the amount of individuals who come back. So, Cheryl, the fact that we're going willing to go in the direction of profit prisons means we're not interested in helping prisoners tell as good citizens. Well, yeah, but... um we as citizens, you know, and I'm going to speak for myself, myself as a citizen would love to know that prisons are being rehabilitated because I have children and grandchildren out here. And I would not want, and, and not only that, myself as well, um, somebody who is angry, enraged, and all of the above that I have to face, uh, or my family have to face, for whatever reason it may be. I was reading somewhere where um, somebody was driving. And a family member in the car said something to another driver, and the driver shot at the car and killed the person that was driving, not even the person who said something. And, I mean, this is full of anger. You know, this is a whole bunch of nonsense. So, I mean, I would not want someone like that on the loose, and I definitely would not want somebody coming out of prison with the same mentality that they went in prison with. And I would hope that many of us, you know, think the same. And, um, Dee, um, let me just go to you and say that same thing. You know, when we're creating for-profit prisons, those people in charge of for-profit prisons aren't interested in reducing the amount of times that these men come back because all they're interested in is keeping the prison filled. The more bodies, the more money. Well, that's right. That's the math. 
That's the math. And uh, so it's got, it would take somebody that that's willing to uh, uh, obstruct the apricot. Uh, the same thing with these gun laws. They got to be willing to take the heat um, against the uh, other bureaucrats and the special interest groups to uh, to incorporate change in that way. Uh, it's it's, it's going to take somebody real special. Otherwise, uh, like Michelle said, these criminals are going to keep going in and out, in and out. Um, the only way to make income is to come rob somebody. And, um, and you know, look, it used to be a time when people would go to prison and they would they would say that they can't make it in prison. You don't hear that no more. You don't hear that anymore. Um, so it's going to take some somebody that that has the um, the agenda of changing that system. Now I, I kind of hate that Miss Audrey is not on the, on the phone. Because she knows the proper uh, lingo and channels that will be needed to make this change. Uh, but uh, uh, it's interesting, and um, you know, and like the old saying goes, uh, if we don't try to change something, we don't get more of the same. And so you, you can pretty much count on that. Thank you, James. All right, we're gonna take uh, our final break, and we're gonna come back and get everybody's final thoughts. This I'm captivating the waves of rising and 
most of thoughts, love, and reflection. Brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. We're here seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in at 657-383-0309 so your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. Uh, Cheryl, what are your final thoughts this evening? Um, one thing I guess I wanted to say that I didn't say was um, when you talked about um, profit prison, that's something that we don't want because we won't get no rehabilitation going on at all because they're going to look for is they're going to look to and to um how to put more individuals in prison because that's the money that they'll be bringing in so that's something that we really don't want to um that we don't want to happen we do want a rehabilitation we do want a better system um and I'm like gee if miss Audrey was on here she would be able to tell us a little bit more of the things that we don't, you know, that we don't know or we can't think of right now. Um, but, you know, it all starts within the home. Whatever we do, we can always do better. All right. Uh, D, your final thoughts this evening? That's right. Miss um, uh, Cheryl, I, I always like your closing um, when you say that. And uh, I'd like to uh, expound on that. Um, I'd like to make the challenge uh, to everyone uh, just to try to make a difference for the better. Uh, We have to look further down the road, not just the next eight years or the next 10 years or the next 20 years. We need to start looking 75 years, 100 years down the road. Because uh, if if we allow uh, these politicians and I think this is a year of exposure. If we allow these politicians to keep going the course that they are going, and I'm not, I'm not really partial to either side uh, on on certain issues, and this is one of them. Uh, if we allow them to keep doing things the way they want to do it, to pad their pockets, a uh, hundred years from now, seventy-five years from now, uh, we're going to be in pretty tough shape. So um, um, we need to start grooming each other and start making a difference. Uh, as the the prophet once said, and I'm not sure who said it, but meet one, teach one. And I think that's a great start. If you if we meet one, teach one, if we make such an impact on that person, maybe he'll do the same. Thank you, James. Thank you for your show. All right. I want to just continue to remind everyone how much I appreciate your support. We need more and more of you calling into the show and giving your opinions, allowing us the opportunity to find the solutions that are needed to save our society. important that we recognize that we can no longer sit on the sidelines. We have to be engaged and prepared to participate in order to make these things go in the right direction. Take care, everybody. I'll see you again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in at 657-383-0309 so your voice can be heard loud and clear.
your children And don't let them fall By the side of the road And teach them To love one another Every time 